Uh, let's run through the checklist and then I'll make sure it's going to be quiet. All good. Did you kill them or you just, you just threw them away? <laughs> no, I, I, I always recycle children. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Michael. I'm Radek. And this is The Podcast. A sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss book read and want to share with you. As well as technology and productivity, which is what we do by day working on our app, Nosby. Or whatever else comes to our minds. Yeah, and today uh, we want to follow up a little bit on our last episode where we discussed the book Peak. That's right. So in short, we're trying to get to the bottom of what makes people good at what they do, how do people achieve expertise or just skill, and in general, what's the best approach to learning? Yeah, and uh, last episode, uh, as I really uh, listened to it, I realized we haven't made enough explicitly the distinction, which the book makes perfectly, is the difference between knowledge and skills. Uh, the idea being that you have to develop your skill set, you have to develop skills in order to achieve greatness, in order, in order to achieve you know, top performance. Because just knowing how stuff works is not enough to actually doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, uh, that's why uh, uh, I really like the examples in the book, uh, which highlighted that uh, people you know, knew some of the things, but, but only by deliberate practice, by practicing deliberately, by practicing solo, by practicing on their own with a tutor, with a teacher, with the feedback loops, with everything that we mentioned in the last episode, they achieve greatness and they achieve uh, the skill set. And the best part is that once you have the skill set, once you have the skills to do something, they um, last, uh, you know, for for long, you know, for a lifetime actually. So what you can, so so the idea being that. Uh, you are becoming a better version of you once you actually acquire a new a new skill set. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I would say the the book made a, a three way distinction. So, first of all, there is a difference between kind of raw knowledge, which is the the information, the data required for a skill, uh, and actually practicing uh, a skill. So, so that's that's the main point the book was was trying to to make that uh, deliberate practice, you know, the act of practicing is something that should have a dedicated time and a dedicated approach because it's not the same as you know just just sponging up information. But second of all, it's not the same as just doing something. Okay, so that's the second distinction uh, we talked about how skills don't just automatically uh, develop, right? It, it doesn't matter if you have 20 years of experience at something. If the way you do your work, for example, doesn't lend itself to, to practice, like if it doesn't have a tight feedback loop through which you notice your mistakes and keep learning, you know, you might do something for a job for 30 years and don't improve. So, it's different to do your work. Uh, it's a different thing to do deliberate practice, and it's a different thing to just you know acquire knowledge, but without putting it in a in a loop with practice. Yeah, and um, because uh, 
we've been um, asked and we've been told that you know it's great to, to to discuss books and ideas in the books but how do we implement these ideas how do we really um, uh, you know put them into into practice <laughs> if we if we if all we do is just read a book and then you know give you this you know the the nutshell in this uh, podcast and then we move on with our lives well there is a reason why we read so many books <laughs> we really want to improve and we will, we really want to be better at things mm-hmm. and uh, just from this book and as I mentioned uh, last episode this book has been very important to me and uh, in the in the next episode which will discuss goals for for next year for us uh, I will you know I will be get, getting back to these ideas most of the time um, because they they are the, the ideas from this book are the foundation for me for how I plan the goals and it's totally different than than I used to do I mean some of, some of the, some like when I analyzed my past several times I did it right you know, by accident. But now I'm going to deliberately plan goals and plan the ways I'm going to achieve these goals um, thanks to the ideas from this book. So in this episode, we want to give you a few examples anyway of how we put this into practice. That's right. So this is important. Last week, we were trying to convey the ideas from the book and re-listening to the episode, I realized that as it usually is when we discuss ideas from books, uh, we're missing context. It's very, very difficult to compress, um, you know, an eight-hour book into a thirty or forty-minute discussion. But what I, you know, I hopefully you you listened to the last episode. But even if you haven't, th- this one will be uh, useful because we want to give you two uh, or maybe more examples of how exactly we put the ideas from the book peak, uh, how we implemented deliberate practice. In our lives. Okay, so um, do you want to start with yours? Yeah, I do. Uh, so my example is related to my work. So it's it's a programming example, uh, and uh, I'll I'll try to <laughs> skip some of the technical parts because that's you know the 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 exact thing is is not that important unless you're a programmer, in which case uh, awesome. Uh, but I I just want to to give the you know, one way in which deliberate practice can be applied for uh, technical skills. Okay. So over the last few months, uh, I've been learning this new skill, uh, this thing called reactive functional programming or RFP. Uh, It's something I've heard for the first time maybe three or four years ago, uh, and I've wanted to learn it since, uh, but I could never find time for it because it's it's, it's not an easy skill. It's not just a simple tool. Uh, it's a programming paradigm. So essentially it has to do with the way you write code, the, the f- you know, part of the fundamental uh, skill. Wow. Uh, but I wanted to learn it because it, it shows promise to uh, you know, enhance the quality of the stuff I, I produce, make it more maintainable, uh, less, less prone to, to bugs, easier to, to change, to implement you know, very complex behaviors, Stuff like that. So I wanted to learn RFP, uh, and now I did. So I, I started right around the time uh, after I, I finished the book Peak. So I wanted to do it, do the, the learning of RFP uh, with uh, the deliberate practice approach. So generally, the, the way programmers learn new skills, the naive approach, is you, know, you watch a tutorial or uh, a video or just read through the, the readme file for a library or something, 
Yeah. Um, you just, you know, you make sure you understand the basic thing. You add it to your app, you start playing with it, start using it in, in practice. So kind of as you do your job, you keep using it and with time you just get good at it. And if it's something really difficult, really complex, then maybe you'll start a like a, a demo project to play around with it for a day or two, and then you put it in your app and start playing with it. Yeah, that's correct. That's that's how I learned programming myself. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's good for trivial things uh, and most things in reality. Mm, but RFP is anything but trivial. So I, you know, the advantage of of this naive approach is you can quickly gauge if if you want to continue learning something because you can see it as applied to a, a real-world project. Uh, but I already knew uh, I wanted to uh, to really learn RFP no matter what, even if I didn't end up using it in, in the Nosby app, just because that's a, you know, expands my horizons. Uh, so I wanted to build a deep understanding of it before I uh, apply. Uh, so here's how I uh, went about it, my deliberate practice approach. First of all, I went through the basic documentation and examples as you usually do. Uh, I already had a basic, a good basic idea of, of RFP, so I could read the examples and understand them. Uh, but I just wanted to to seed my mind with with more examples, more ideas. Two, uh, here is where programmers would usually just start applying it to a real-world project. Uh, but uh, not, not me with, with this. That, that wouldn't be the deliberate practice approach. You know, instead of jumping onto the whole of RFP, uh, I started mastering the building blocks one by one, really practicing them and not applying them, not yet. So in, uh, in Rx Swift, which is the library I use for RFP, uh, there are two fundamental pieces. Uh, they're called observable and observer. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter what, what, what they do. Then there's two important operations, subscription, disposal. There are four subjects and there's like 60 or 70 operators. And uh, again, what I do, it, it doesn't matter. But, but the point is, instead of thinking of, uh, of RxSwift, of RFP, as just a single skill, a overall thing, I thought of it as 80 or so tiny skills. And that's that's the first basic uh, distinction. Uh, in the practice approach, you focus on just a very small subset, a very precise part of the whole skill, and you improve on that. You iterate until you master it. So that's that's what I wanted to, to do. I could have just learned the bare basics enough so I could start applying it, even if not very well. But instead, I decided I want to master every single one important piece of Rx Swift before applying it to my code. So start from the bottom, build all the you know learn all the building blocks, and only then uh, kind of see the whole thing. Yeah, I mean that's 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 really the 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 the, the key. I mean that, um, and it was highlighted in the book so much that mm -hmm. you know focusing on the whole thing, as you said, that that, that it's not productive. You should focus on 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 small you know small Lego puzzles and then build the Lego blocks from there, right? That's right. And the the way I I was practicing those those tiny like you know one of those eighty sub skills uh, is with this app called Swift Playgrounds. Um, and 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 here's the point of that. Um, with the practice, it's really important to have a tight feedback loop, 
right? You don't just do stuff until you magically get better. You do something, you see how well you did, and you keep iterating with the feedback loop until the feedback loop tells you you've got it, okay? So um, to explain to <laughs> non-programmers, generally with a, with a language like Swift, you write a bunch of code, you compile it, and you run the app, and you see if it works, right? Yep. Uh, in Swift Playgrounds, what you do is, you know, after every single line of code, you see on the right of it uh, what it does. So like the, the, the evaluated value from, from that line. So the most basic example would be if, if you type top plus two, it would just say, you know, four to the right of, of, of that expression, right? Uh, and so what I did with those building blocks was I would look at one operator or some other part of RxSwift um, you know, just look at the documentation for a few seconds until I, I felt like, okay, I get the basic idea. Then without looking at it, I would write code and see if it does exactly what I expect. And I would have instant feedback. You know, if I made an error, it wouldn't compile or it would say something I didn't expect. And then I would see, okay, I'm not getting it. And then I, I would write more code, you know, test all of the possibilities. If I, if I had doubts about something, you know, instead of looking at the docs to say how it says it should work, I would just write the code to, ver- to verify what it does. And then I would see if it matches my expectations. And I would iterate on every single one of those operators and other uh, building blocks until each one did in the playgrounds. You know, the instant uh, feedback loop told me, uh, yeah, you're getting it. I wrote something. I had an expectation of what it will you know, the result it will produce. And I iterated until it did exactly what I expected. I don't know if you also realized, but not only have you used um, a deliberate practice in this in this ex- example, but you also highlighted something which is really important for learning, like the re- retrieval process of what you learned. And mm. um, the retrieval process works like this, that we learn when we make mistakes, when we, you know, when we have to, you know, get get back the information that we acquired. So mm-hmm. as you said, if you would just blindly copy something just from the docs or whatever, you wouldn't learn it really. But once you, you know, you saw that something would, didn't, wouldn't work, you started tweaking it, you started, you, you got the information back. And this way, this way, not only it was like a really deliberate practice session, but also, you, I mean, this retrieval process helped you also learn more. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and in the end, I, I wrote something like 3000 lines of, of Swift in this playground. Um, so, so <laughs> a good amount, uh, and that's just a step two. Okay. Uh, but, but that's, that's exactly the point. I'm doing this deliberately. Step three, I, I wrote down, you know, I, I compiled a list of all the, uh, 70 operators in RX Swift. Um, and you know, it, the, the numbers sounds intimidating, but, but most of them are, are pretty basic, pretty obvious. Uh, but the point is I, I just looked at the code, wrote down the list so that there's just the names of those building blocks. And then without looking at the documentation or the compiler, just looking at this list, I went through every single one of them and made sure I have a good understanding of each one. So this has to do with exactly what you said, the, uh, how do you call it? The retrieval process? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it also has to do with another thing we've discussed and struggled to properly explain, uh, the mental models. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So Here's how I did it. In reactive functional programming, there's something called the marble diagram. Uh, how it works is beside the point, but 
uh, it's a it's a notation. It is a way to represent uh, observable subjects, like all of the building blocks that I would be interested in. Uh, you can you can draw them. You can visually describe them with yeah. a drawing, with a bar, with a marble diagram, and that's really big. First of all. It, it means you can visualize all the pieces of, of Rx Swift. So uh, when I was going through the list to make sure I really remember each piece, I looked at the name and then, you know, <laughs> without a computer, just with a piece of paper, I, I would draw the marble diagram uh, of all the cases for this, for this operator. And if I had any, any doubts, it meant, okay, I have to go back to the step two and work on this little skill because I'm I'm not, I haven't made it automatic. I haven't made it uh, intuitive for me yet. And if it went great, it means okay, I, I really got it. It doesn't just seem like I got it. You know, I'm not looking at a compiler at any help, and I can still easily uh, draw it out. The second thing that's important uh, with the marble diagram is that it's it's really helpful in building mental models. Like, you know, mental models are, are these uh, templates of, of ideas, th- these structured ways in which we understand information or procedures or abstract concepts. And, and that's going to happen no matter what. But it's very helpful if you have a way to do it explicitly. Like if you can visualize an abstract concept, which happens a lot in programming, uh, turns out, uh, then that that's going to really help because every time you think of the concept before it becomes truly automatic and intuitive, you you know you go through the same mental processes to like see the abstract concept like in, in the eye of your mind. So being able to draw it out or or visualize it in your mind is really useful in making sure you build uh, really robust mental representations. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that was very technical. That was really wow. But 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 you you nailed all the points. I mean, really breaking it down to to to, to these skills and then then you know making this model and doing all this work. It's whenever we learn new things, we don't appreciate like all these details and all these subtleties that we have to learn to 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 make the and we don't you know. We don't want to invest in these small things because we they're not so um, you know exciting. You know the exciting thing is to to, to know the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And but but uh, but really, they're all building blocks. Blocks are here, right? So those are just the three steps, right? And uh, there's a few more, but but those I went over um, a bit more quickly. So four, uh, then I started stacking together the bricks, uh, but still in the playground. Right? So I was still in the environment where I could uh, iterate quickly. Uh, I imagined common scenarios as in a real app. I simulated them and made sure the code does exactly what I expected. Right? Then uh, I tackled uh, this thing called RxCoco, which is uh, which is a companion tool to RxSwift, but with like very uh, like useful, very concrete, practical purposes for iOS and Mac apps. Uh, so again, I, I went through the, the important pieces of it brick by brick, uh, simulate their use in Playground if I could, good instant feedback, rinse, repeat. Then I uh, started going through uh, a repository of examples with Rx Swift code. So I analyzed each example, which uh, simulated like a piece of a, of a real app and made sure I understood immediately every piece of it. 
And if I was confused, I dug deeper until it was clear to me, right? And out of it came more things that I thought I knew, but didn't really. So I had to get back to the feedback loop and improve on those little pieces until I really got it. So just let me let me stop stop, stop right there. So normally, as you said, what a programmer would do, like, like I would go directly to examples very quickly without mm-hmm. um, like nailing the basics as you as you did. Yeah. And then I would try more or less to understand. And even if I didn't understand completely the, how the example worked, I would still you know take it as it is and you know like use it anyway and 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 build upon it anyway although i wouldn't understand everything so mm-hmm. your approach is really more you know meticulous because you uh first you got the basics right and then when you didn't understand something you would get back to mm-hmm. to, to get the basics right that's right and you know with the usual approach that's fine for 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 many things uh it's simpler it's faster um in many ways but but it's also like an investment that's often necessary, but you don't make. So you end yeah. up paying the cost anyway. You're just spreading it out in more time. But in the meantime, you'll do a lot of mistakes. You'll create a lot of bugs uh, in your apps that stem from the fact that you didn't nail the basics. You haven't mastered the skill until you started applying it. Uh, and so for, for me, like with this skill, I really wanted to feel like I mastered the basics until I started, you know, mastering the practical uh, usage of of the thing. So only here, like at, you know, step seven, (laughs) I started actually applying uh, the skill and using the library uh, with the Nosby app. So, and and even then, like uh, I did it quite deliberately. So I started converting code that did, um, you know, equivalent things to what I would do with uh, Rx Swift, but in a different way. So that was pretty straightforward. Then I tackled new obvious places. Then I started messing with the, you know, architecture of the whole app, like how like really complex, difficult things connect. You know, redoing really important pieces, but also improving the app, not just the quality of the code in a real way. And along the way, uh, even then. I discovered issues, holes in my understanding. And instead of doing what in in most cases programmers would do, which is just patch up the the immediate problem in front of you, but just you know ignore it. No, I would step back and, and make sure I, I understood the deep cause of, of the issue I've had until I, I really understood why this happened, why I've had this problem, and what's the right way to tackle it. Not just try to patch it up until it seems to work. Yeah, that seems like a very comprehensive way to, to go about it. And uh, yeah, but this is, but um, again, to, I would like to highlight the, this idea that what you said here, just uh, like about the, the long, you know, thinking about the long run, thinking about, you know, you make the investment in yourself by developing these skills because you know that if if it succeeds and if you like like this way of you know programming you will use it for for years to come so instead of as you said patching and going like taking shortcuts all the time mm-hmm. you know that it's worth getting back and and really re, relearning these things you know improving your skills to to be able to to advance yeah and i see this kind of skill uh, as promising uh, in in my field maybe not the exact 
uh, version of it. But like many of these ideas, you can see in the field that they're really important, that uh, a lot of new developments, new skills, new trends are related to it. Uh, And when you learn skills the way most people do, which is you learn enough until you feel like you're good enough. So for example, you started learning at the beginning when you were starting as a programmer, then you felt like, oh, I'm good enough. And then just keep practicing and uh, sure, you know, accrue more more knowledge and skill along the way, just through practice, but shunning away from these really, you know, difficult uh, new, uh, new ways, like, uh, you know, serious skills, not not something simple, but something comprehensive like this, then at some point you look around and realize, oh, wow, the world has moved on and you're stuck in the past, right? <laughs> and so uh, just the meta skill of deliberate practice and, and being comfortable with um, really investing in, in something hard and something that's going to take time and doing it right so that you you really get it and and not just scratch the the surface that's that's going to to pay serious dividends over time yeah totally like i have another another example which is totally the opposite it's just a lot more simpler and a lot easier but but um but i think it still has a lot to do with deliberate practice so just uh, as a as a as a as a totally different thing my daughter just turned 8 uh, she, uh, I can't believe she's already eight. You know, I I feel younger, and she's eight already. Um, but um, what happens is that she's learning right now to read. Uh, I mean, she already can read, but uh, she's practicing reading. And uh, the way she does it is she brings a, a book every day from from school, and she reads the book to us, and then she goes back and brings another book another day. And it's great, and she's really good at this. Um, the problem was that she would just read it very quickly like let's say there was something like this um how do you do uh, somebody asked and she would just read it like how do you do somebody asked like without proper intonation without proper you know you know mm-hmm. question mark nothing like this so uh, i started you know being like a little bit bossy with her like you know you shouldn't read like this you know uh, you should just do it differently you like like mind the intonation mind the question mark like <laughs> It wasn't really a good teacher there, um, but I you know I was a concerned father, and I, I understood that she's not really progressing. But then, after reading the peak, I decided to take a different approach. Mm-hmm. So, because the books she brings are very short, she reads them in you know, five to ten minutes, so they're really really nice. So what what so what 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 we do now is she brings the book and she says, "I'm going to read the book to you, father," and I'm like, "Okay, read the book," and then she reads the book to me. And I'm just, you know, listening, maybe correcting when she just misspells something. Um, but, but other than that, I'm just listening to, to you know, to her um, uh, read it. When she reads it, I'm like, way to go. I like it very much. But I would say um, you should, you know, focus more on intonation, focus more on, on really um, reading it the way it should be read, uh, you know, to tell a story. Because there is a story here, you should tell the story. So let me read it for you. And then let's see if you can spot the difference, right? Mm. So, so I read it for her then, uh, you know. Um, the problem is that she has a better accent than me, but, you know, what, <laughs> what can I do? I mean, she has a beautiful British accent, but that's beside the point. So I'm trying as much as I can to read it properly for her, but what, I, what I'm focused on is the intonation, you know, the, the way I'm, I'm telling this story. Mm-hmm. And, but that's it, I'm just reading it to her. And then I give it to her again, and I'm like, okay, now uh, can you try again and read it again, you know? Thinking about the intonation, thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. 
And then she really surprises me because then she really, like, she already knows the story, so it's easier for her to read it again because, you know, she already knows what she's going to read and she heard the story twice already. And then she starts doing it deliberately. She starts, you know, asking, you know, making a question when there's a question, shouting when, and even when there was a narrator and narrator would just repeat something third, third time, she would change the tone, like, you know, make it, mm. you know, boring and things. Like, she would in, 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 introduce her own idea how to tell this story so she wouldn't really read like i did but based on my feedback mm -hmm. she would read it differently and for like for me this is i think a great example of deliberate practice you know we are doing the same thing but with a feedback loop with a you know with a tutor of myself and with her trying again but in a different approach and um and now this is what we do every day i mean every day she brings a book she reads the book to me i read it to her and then she reads again trying to improve and you know each time she's doing it better that's amazing i i wish i i started really getting into a habit of you know building this this metal skill uh at eight <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i mean yeah she is amazing but i wouldn't come up with this idea if if it wasn't for this book you know this idea of yeah. let's do it differently instead of shouting you know trying you know scolding her let's try to do it differently and and she loved it and she really you know surprised me I guess there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, we forgot to mention it last week, which is how this plays into our TGIF. Yep. So for for those who haven't uh, heard of it, we're, we're linked to the idea of TGIF uh, in the show notes. But essentially for, I don't know, close to half a year now, right? Yeah, half a year now. Yep. Okay. Uh, we've been doing uh, this policy uh, at Nosby where... Every Friday, uh, after doing your weekly review, you would just spend the rest of your day doing whatever, and hopefully, like uh, you know, we would suggest that maybe you should spend some of that time um, learning something new, something you've never had time for. Uh, so, so this is this was big for me, uh, especially in the context of of deliberate practice, because that that created an environment in which I could finally tackle this new skill. So I, I mentioned I, I've wanted to learn it for two or three years, but just never had felt like I have time for it. Uh, you know, a, a an environment in which I would have enough time to really focus on on, on a uh, on a learning project like this that that's going to take more than uh, a weekend. And having this Friday or, or half a Friday um, allow me to, to do this. And I spent many, many weeks on those Fridays uh, learning RxSwift. And <laughs> remember when I mentioned to you that I have a task in Nosby where I have a checklist with like 80 or something items, points? Yeah. Yeah. That was that. That was related to <laughs> oh, it. All right. Yeah. I had just a, a working checklist with like stuff I have to practice, uh, I have to figure out. And as I was oh. going through it, I just kept adding more and more and more. And I'm. I've almost finished. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it, it, it took a while, but, but that, was, that was also a conscious choice. I, I could have spent less time on it, but I really wanted to, to test out the, the hardcore version of deliberate practice. And I wanted to see like, in, in how little time I can feel like uh, I've maybe not mastered, but, but really learned a, a difficult, difficult skill. And normally something like that would take a lot longer because you wouldn't invest up front, you would amortize the costs through 
you know, many months or, or years as you're using something. And I uh, try to load it at the front to to feel like when I've jumped to using it in practice, I'm, I already know what I'm doing. Yeah, and again, this was this was really mentioned also in the book that um, we should be able to use our work, our work time as a deliberate practice session, you know, or, or deliberate, you know, find deliberate practice sessions. And uh, 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 that's why I'm so happy that, you know, you mentioned TJF, the, something that, you know, we came up with and uh, that, you know, works for that, that gives you this window of, window of opportunity that on Fridays, you're not doing the day-to-day stuff. So you can allow yourself, you know, two, three, four hours, five hours, depending, you know, how much you have after your weekly review, but you can have this time you know, you can spend it the way you want it, and 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 as you said, work. Uh, you know, learn something that you've always wanted to learn, and, and and never got to it. And we have a few other examples in our company of people who 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 manage that, who manage mm-hmm. to, to spend Fridays like that. And I think it's the you know the best way. Yeah, and and there's there's lots of lots of examples, and you know, you you can apply parts of this approach. Uh, you can apply it more stringently or less so. Uh, just, just, just the bits and pieces are are useful. Like, for example, it's sometimes hard to to find a, a dedicated space for something, but if you can create some sort of a feedback loop or tighten it, uh, or or if you know you can tackle another part of the skill, which is, I think that's also related to to to, to deep work. I would say at least it felt like this to me that it's very difficult to practice deliberately, like really really well uh when you when you when you are not in this this deep flow uh when you're constantly distracted that's going to be not just shallow work but shallow learning as well yeah totally and uh it's good that we we have the time and you know um i like in the next episode i really want to focus on the on the um, on the goal setting and uh, how this ties uh, into this because like uh, we just had a webinar uh, at Nosby about goal setting, and I I had this whole thing prepared how I'm gonna you know go about it, but then this book totally changed the way I approached it. You know, I I I changed the presentation almost at the last minute because I really understood you know the value of skills and the value of skill set in in goal setting and in you know making you know taking yourself to a to a whole new level. 